0: Follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm
1: a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private
0: investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves.
1: I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm cu- I'm curious.
0: And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo.
1: Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a
0: break. I have a feeling this is going to be
1: weird. Sex and politics make for some
0: very strange bedfellows. So Haley is a marriage and family therapy intern who works with individuals, partners, and families of all configurations, I like that, and specializes in gambling addiction treatment. She is available for contact at Thomas at iCloud.com. Hi, Haley. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jen. Hello. Hi. How's everyone today? We'll do a brief check-in before we dive into the madness.
1: I'm doing better (sighs) than I have been.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: Good. I'm doing better
2: than I was an hour ago now that I'm not downtown.
0: (laughs) Yeah, can we talk about that? Let's. We were both downtown, and we're just going to go over it briefly because Jen and I are going to incorporate this into our next episode, actually, where we go deeper. Um, So Patriot Prayer uh, was staging their, what was it called? Reunite the Right or Unite the Right Rally. Some rally, uh, a, a gathering of white nationalists and racists and Trump supporters. Um, there was about, what, 300 of them? Mm-hmm. That's what the estimate said. There was a lot. And th- people saw them coming off of their buses and their caravans because a lot of these people who came to Portland don't actually live here. They came from Idaho. They came from Washington. Joey Gibson, the leader of Patriot Prayer, from Vancouver, Washington.
1: Yet he chooses to come to it. He's running for Senate. Yet he State chooses Washington to, State Senate in Washington State Senate. Yet chooses not even to come to our city to campaign and cause problems. Um, yeah, it's so, ridiculous.
0: So Haley, Haley, and I were down there, not together, but I actually, I was thinking about that. I was wondering. So I'm glad you brought it up. So what was that? How was that? <laughs> You said you got a little bit of tear gas in your eye.
2: Just a a mild, a mild
0: tear gas. (laughs) Mild spritzing. What, uh, so what
2: did you see? So at the point that I joined, gosh, I think I, I hopped in somewhere around Columbia and third and you know, the counter protesters, We were all fine. A lot of what I saw was, you know, people staying on the sidewalk, people doing some really beautiful check-ins with each other, Mm -hmm. um, which was really nice. Just a lot of friendly faces going, hey, are you okay? Do you need water? Do you need anything? Mm
0: -hmm. Are you
2: with anyone? Are you safe? Um, And somewhere in the middle of all of that was, at least for me, where the flashbang started and then the tear gas, the first round of tear gas came in. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So it just started happening.
2: It just... From where I sat, it just started happening.
0: Yeah, I saw the cops have been announcing for about, I don't know, five or ten minutes. I don't know. It sounded like a recording at at first and then it didn't. But they were saying that protesters had to move west of Southwest Columbia in third or that we were going to be faced with. I forget what it was called. Protest like removal forces or uh, what was the other thing they called Mm. it? They, they were using their terms. They're like, yeah. look, we're going to shoot at you or we're going to push you out of the way or we're going to tear gas you if you don't move, so you should move. So, of course, we actually did start moving um, and then they just started shooting at us anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm really happy and we'll go more into that later, Jen. Haley, I'm so glad you're okay. Yeah,
2: I am too. Uh,
0: so, let's talk about your work. Why 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 gambling addiction right now?
2: Oh, goodness. So... Uh, I'm the type of person where if I get an opportunity to get thrown into something, I go full in. (laughs) So I started volunteering at a clinic here in Portland that specializes in problem gambling treatment two years ago and volunteered there for a year, kind of got a feel for the clinic and the setting and kind of how to run the operations of the whole joint. Yeah. And um, started working with clients a year ago, and one of the things that I really appreciate with gambling addiction treatment is honestly much like sex. We live in this country that is so sex-obsessed, yet at the same time, there's so much misinformation and people unable to have conversations about this very normative aspect of life. The same thing applies when we talk about things like money and class, and that's so much of what I see in the work that I do is people who are so ashamed and so afraid to have these conversations about what's going on because with mm-hmm. gambling addiction, people see it as a financial problem and it's not a financial problem. It is a bona fide addiction. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what, so yeah. Yeah. And what about, um, and what about the process of gambling is, is addicting. I've actually stayed away from gambling just cause I'm so afraid
0: Me too. Um, I don't touch those machines. I don't like when people ask me to play at the club. They're like, hey, here, put a dollar in. I don't want to.
1: I hate, I work so hard for my dollars. I'm just terrified at the thought of even losing one. (laughs) Right. Something
2: like that. Right.
1: That totally makes sense. Or that I might like it. Who knows? Right. I don't Mm want to know.
2: Yeah, so I have a little fun stat, (laughs) Okay, prepared. So I think this is, so this is from the National Council on Problem Gambling, and I think these stats are a few years old, so full disclosure, they may have changed. But approximately 85% of U.S. adults have gambled at least once in their lives and 60% in the past year.
0: Interesting. And so... 60% in the last, like, interesting. mm -hmm. So that could be like a scratch it. I mean...
2: Yep, so that's the other fun thing is looking at what is gambling, Mm -hmm. right? Because so many people are like, oh, well, I don't go to casinos.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's like, okay, well, have you ever done a Mm scratch-off? That technically is gambling.
0: I see people on their lunch breaks and they're doing like a scratch-off on their lunch break. And I'm like, oh shit, this isn't the first time you bought one. This might be regular, you know. Mm -hmm. How often are you buying these? But things like
2: bingo, sports gambling is a really big thing in the state. Just um, that's going to be interesting to keep track of is kind of the expansion of legalizing that. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. in terms of the issues with the casinos.
2: Yeah. So issues with the casinos, but then two, just the age demographics. So, um, one of the things that we see is there tends to be kind of like different age ranges of who's attracted to what type of gambling.
0: Mm, And so just like like, social media. Yeah. Yeah. Younger people tend to like Instagram more than older people like Facebook.
2: Yeah. So for instance, um, without, without going into client, like sensitive information, Mm -hmm. people who I tend to see who are doing sports gambling tend to be in like their twenties to mid thirties. And then some folks who, um, we see at the clinic who are doing things like primarily going to casinos or doing a lot of video poker, that age range tends to be like 40 and up where Hmm. I work. Interesting. So In terms of like what makes it addictive, if we're talking about something like video lottery, right? Those
0: machines have been designed to become addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, And for you to lose because mm -hmm. that's how they make money. And I mean, money comes back to the state, right? It funds some of our parks, which, you know, that's that. What's the saying here? Lottery, it does good, which Mm -hmm. is like not to debate that it doesn't, but. And it funds treatment. Mm-hmm. So for, yeah,
2: let's kind of, yikes. It's like
0: the snake eating its tail. Yeah, kind
2: of. and okay. so some people joke about that when they kind of come through, whether it's our doors or another clinic, they're like, oh, well, it's prepaid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, technically. Oh, man,
1: that's pretty good. Yikes. <laughs> what about, um, what about like day trading? I'm mm, pretty, yep. so I'm pretty invested in cryptocurrency and I spend a lot of time on forums, like looking at, I don't know, I like to read about the market and see what everyone else is doing with theirs but i'm kind of horrified sometimes when i Mm. read about people that like people trade on the margins and they lose all their their money some guy put his house
0: up oh man lost it like thirty thousand dollars in his house or something on yeah
1: yep
2: so things like day trading stocks um those can get thrown in there as well um kind of, it actually, like this goes into, this actually goes into the criteria. So when we look at like, okay, well, if someone's listening to this and going, okay, do I maybe have a problem? Here's some quick screening for that. So mm, you're
0: so good. God, this is like a free consultation. I know, no, pretty history. Much. I mean,
2: not to toot my own horn, but you're yes. <laughs> um, so one of the big things that we see is preoccupation With gambling. So, a lot of folks who are spending a lot of time doing this will find, especially if they have recently gone through a loss or have had a big win, um, we'll start to relive that experience and kind of planning out like, okay, when can I go gamble next? How can I go turn that win into an even bigger win next time? Mm. Also getting really secretive about gambling habits and defensive when someone brings it up. Mm -hmm. And some of the ways that I see this come up, especially with people who come in with a partner is like, oh, well, you know, I asked my partner, um, if they happen to stop at the grocery store on the way home yesterday and they got really upset while a lot of grocery stores around here, I'm thinking like Fred Meyer, you know, mm-hmm. you can buy a lottery ticket there mm. right there. So mm-hmm. for people who kind of build that into like a shopping trip, for instance, that question of, Oh, did you go to the grocery store today that can get responded to with what are you getting at? What do you mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Are you accusing me of gambling? Mm-hmm. And
2: then other things like, Um, You know, people trying to cut back or control their gambling or stop altogether and not successfully doing that. And a lot of the times um, that comes from getting really irritable when not gambling. I mean, Mm. when we look at gambling, like something like drug addiction or alcohol use, that's serving a symptom, right? So when you take away your coping mechanism, of course, irritation is going to come in. Of course, more anxiety is going to come in. So which leads to another Part of the criteria for screening is gambling to escape. Um, Some people gamble for thrill-seeking. Other people gamble to get away. So sometimes I see this with folks who are trying to get away from a partner who's abusive. Wow. Um, People who don't have financial resources and see gambling as a way to maybe get some funds to get out of a really bad situation. That's one thing that happens.
0: Uh, I, Jen, you've worked in the clubs with the video lottery. Yeah. Oh we, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's
1: people that sit there for hours, regulars mm-hmm. that come in all the time. We have one guy, he's so sweet. Uh, I will <laughs> not name names, but he's he has been at, at the club I worked at for many mm-hmm. years, every single shift that I have ever worked during the day. He has came in. He's always tipped the stage. He's never sat at the stage and he sits on the video lottery machine all hmm. day. Hmm. I think he's retired and mm-hmm. he must have some money, but that's that's it. What every a every life. single time.
0: <laughs> it's a very chill <laughs> every life. Every single time I work. It's uh, well amazing. that's I mean that's nice. He's a good like positive presence at least. Also,
1: as far as dancers go, yeah, I used to work with a girl at the Acrop who would get off stage And immediately feed all her ones into the. Yeah, she would just piss away all her money into there. And then, and when you'd ask her about it and be like, hey, dude, like. Where's your money? And she'd be like, "Well, I won four hundred bucks last week." And I'm like, "Well, you probably put six hundred. Oh my god! In like it was really sad. That's I know. hard. Is there like a chemical process that it triggers in your? Yeah.
2: So unfortunately, I did pull up this article before I got here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we do know with the research that is being done on this is that it does impact your neurochemistry, like on a neurological level, there is a lot happening. There is an actual dopamine rush happening. You are creating actual neural pathways when gambling. And that's really hard. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to, you know, reduce the frequency at which you're using that neural pathway. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, it falls into all the other criteria of, you know, lying about the extent of the gambling, committing crimes to finance the gambling. Um, One of the things that I think people think of less often in this field are things like embezzlement. Hmm. Sometimes there's a gambling problem going on there. It's not solely just like, oh, this person took a lot of money and that's a crime. And it's like, well, yes. And sometimes there's an even bigger thing going on there and that person needs treatment if they're, you know, open to
1: doing that how common is it for people with gambling addictions to also have other addictions too that run or they're between
0: them because I've heard people say that Mm -hmm. they'll like stop doing one thing and that's when they started gambling
2: super common so I would say I can only speak for the place that I work at but I know from speaking with other providers at other clinics co-occurring addiction is like I would say probably like over 80% mm-hmm. if I'm estimating um, generously. Mm-hmm. So the most common things that we see coming through our doors are um, alcohol use and gambling. Um, especially uh, if you're looking at folks who are gambling like in casinos or in right. bars, cause they're there and like, Oh, well, I only drink when I'm gambling and I only gamble when I drink. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that relationship, but then we see other things too. Like, I mean, you know, there's a, overall an opioid crisis in this area so Mm -hmm.
0: in this country in this area
1: so from i'm like i have so many questions (laughs) all right i have a question about policy like but i'll save that till after we know even more about it because i'm Mm -hmm. curious like what do you how do you okay how, how do you treat somebody with a gambling mm. addiction like what what do you even do do you do they have to like never go online again or never yeah
0: <laughs> never... that seems
2: hard yeah so I work in a unique Situation. The clinic I work at is not an abstinence based program. Okay. So, what that means is, I have people right now who want to be abstinent from gambling and who have been abstinent, some of them for over a year, Mm -hmm. but stay in treatment either one, because some of them are legally mandated, but then two, I've got other folks who really just want to stay in therapy so that they know that they're really solid before. Mm -hmm. They try to go off on their own. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing um, as a developing clinician is just getting people in the door and giving them a space where they're not going to be stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, I wanted to ask what you've learned about. Well, I want to talk about you also. But like, Mm -hmm. I mean... I guess it's really easy to imagine and I'm doing it, but I've imagined all the people that I've seen, like sitting in those chairs where it is very sad and strange to watch sometimes, you know, frantically pushing buttons. It's like hard to watch this. I mean, who are these people? Like, Mm. what have you learned? I guess, what have you learned? Well, the biggest thing that I've learned,
2: I would say about my clients is that similar to any addiction, gambling does not care. I see people in their early 20s. I see people as old as in their 80s across all socioeconomic classes. Mm-hmm. I have clients who have been houseless. I have clients who, you know, bring in a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing I've learned about myself is that I have so much more patience than I ever thought I would. Hmm. Um I can't speak for other fields, but I know with gambling in particular, because there's so much stigma and because when people get through our doors, they've heard so many messages about the type of person they are or the types of people who would do what they do, that um, I have clients who take a long time sometimes to be honest with me. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, I say, you can lie to me as much as you want. You can lie to me as much as you need to, especially if it's you trying to advocate for yourself and figure out if I'm a safe person to talk to.
0: Mm, that's I, a good one.
1: I can relate with that as a mm-hmm. sex worker.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about yeah. as an investigator?
1: Ah, uh, that I mean, too. I mean, I mean, that's
0: a little different, actually.
1: It's a little different. Um, it's it was really hard for me to get used to. Actually, <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> biggest learning curves. Um, becoming a defense investigator was getting c- comfortable with my clients lying to me and mm-hmm. continuing my mm-hmm. investigation with what I knew to be true, regardless, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So just looking at the mm-hmm. evidence and not. And it's,
0: and for both of you, your clients, for both of your clients and you to make your, your work, like, I guess have less obstacles, but it, it helps them if they're honest in the first place anyway.
1: Well, absolutely. Yeah. I, I heard a really awesome quote from an attorney the other day um, who <laughs> who tells her clients what i don't know can hurt you.
0: What i don't know can hurt you. Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, i i've said it so many times cuz someone said it to me and i just it just stuck, but therapy doesn't work if you're not honest. I mean, it will it will it will work to some degree. You could sometimes just need a soundboard.
2: Yeah, you could coast. And
1: mm-hmm. there are people who do
2: that. There are people who coast.
0: Coast. That's a good one.
1: Well so from a policy standpoint what do you think can be what would what do you think could be done on some sort of government or regulatory level to to help gambling I mean obviously you know getting rid of gambling is not going to happen
0: um yeah. I mean, in an and, and nor, world. Sh- and nor but, should it, I mean, really? Yeah. I, I mean, don't, for- I don't hate gambling. I guess I don't really feel like I have enough to speak on. I don't know. Would you say, what do you think, Haley? Oh
2: gosh. <laughs> <Such> <laughs> Ellie. Ellie, Ellie, you can't see the, the shit eating grin that's on my face right now. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> oh, what could we do? <laughs> um, honestly, this is one of those where I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. All I, all I know <laughs> Right now, is that as a provider? One of the things I do is listen to my clients. I stay on top of advocacy groups. I'm part of the National Council on Problem Gambling and keep on top of their stuff. Mm, That's cool. Um, It's one of those fields right now where there's so many players in all of this. I mean, even last year, the National Conference was in Portland. Mm. And so it was the National Council people from the oregon state lottery and then advocacy groups all in one setting and it was so tense but mm-hmm. it also came down to people going we don't know mm-hmm. what exactly to do with this because if we got rid of it altogether,
0: um you lose a lot of funding for those projects we talked about earlier yep. and it's a lot of jobs um it's also kind of a freedom, I mean, not really freedom of expression, but kind of, I mean, how do we limit people's ability to interact in the ways that they want recreationally? Yeah, I mean, you know? I feel that
1: way about drugs too. Like I don't, yeah. I don't like meth. I well, think it's mostly harmful, but I don't feel like. I don't feel like it's the government's job to criminalize you.
0: Well, I mean, if if we got to to the if we were actually doing the work to, like, improve our communities around our mental and emotional issues, all of us, then we wouldn't have so many people that are like, you know what I said, frantically tapping a screen for six hours Mm -hmm. because they need that rush or they need money, you know, or they need to be away from home. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a break attention service and sex industry workers seeking space yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m and 4 a.m class times seeking space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat need a little motivation They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times.
1: Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing... Workshops and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedomandpleasure at passion by Kate. That's passionbykate.com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service.
0: If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flair have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flair is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250-plus artists. So do you want to talk at all about you, your background? we oh, talk your career yeah. identity? Oh yeah. I mean You're always mixed race identity.
2: Yeah. So your femme identity. So many, so mm-hmm. many words. Uh-huh. This this is like one of those that pisses people off if I go into all the words. So Ooh, I am
0: let's use all the words. Let's
2: use all the words. Let's use all the Tumblr words. Oh gosh. get ready cucks. Yes. Let's let's trigger <laughs> some
1: the incel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I am a let's see. I am a demigendered Creole queer femme person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can Google those Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) very
0: easily. (laughs) I'm, I'm so constantly impressed with our listeners. Uh, we had a listener question a couple weeks ago where someone said, I'm about to have sex for the first time. And then parentheses, they said, I don't want to say losing my virginity because virginity is a social construct.
2: (laughs) I love that. I was like,
0: bless your heart, 19-year-old, however old I know. you are. Um, no, that makes me happy. When
2: I was mm-hmm, that age, or mm-hmm. no, I wasn't that age, when I had sex for the first time, at least penetrative, I said I shared it. I was like, I'm going to share my virginity with this person. <gasps> oh,
0: that's really um, loving.
2: And that was like my frame of mind at the time. Yeah, that's but, still
0: very loving and like positive-minded.
2: <laughs> that digression. That's, anyway, yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. My identity comes in honestly... Every single day, especially with clients, because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot
0: of overlap, like intersections. Oh, there. there's
2: so much overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the ways that I see it come up, um, and that I've honestly seen it come up since moving from Spokane to Portland, mm-hmm. originally from the Bay Area. But uh, oh, the, wow, so that's two sides of the pendulum. Yep. So the Pacific Northwest has been an interesting time as. <laughs> as a Creole person, um, I fluctuate and say Creole and black. Um, but one of the things that I run into mostly with white folks is when I say that I'm black, they go, no, you're not. (gasps) How can you be black? You're not black. And they go, I think what you mean to say is that I'm not very dark, which is true. Um, but it's this really interesting thing, right? Where people really enjoy co-opting black culture but when they're confronted with Mm. a mixed race biracial person this really weird defense wall comes up where it's like oh you're that you're that thing that ambiguous Mm -hmm. (laughs) thing that uh i don't know what to do with Mm -hmm. so one of the ways i see this come up most often um especially when i'm around non-people of color Mm -hmm. is people's uh quote-unquote casual racism that Mm. I call them out on. Mm -hmm. And the number of times that I've had someone blame me for the very racist thing that they just said has been fascinating. How
0: Are you able to give an (laughs) example? I mean... (laughs) um like blame you yeah so
2: blame me in the sense of like betraying them because i didn't oh, alert you. them to the fact that i'm black
1: i oh never God. would have said that and in front of you if i like, knew they're like holy
2: shit are wow. like well
0: i i didn't well uh, uh, and i'm like <laughs> i don't know why i'm trying so hard not to laugh into the mic <laughs> fascinating that's it's really, really, really fascinating they didn't look over their shoulder both ways oh wait they did they looked so you right in the face
1: oh they know they shouldn't be saying that shit alone in the shower yeah less in front of another right human being.
2: so it's really uh, interesting right because you see a lot of or at least i see a lot of um media where people uh, are like mixed race babies are the future and you know mixed I'm race. i'm so glad i've never
0: reblogged any of those though we'll i feel like that's anyway
2: fix all the race problems and it's like actually y'all don't know what to do with it Okay, when I'm right in front of you, y'all police me (laughs) Um, and do some really interesting, like, mental gymnastics. Hmm. So that intersects, though, too, right, with being a queer person, with, like, being bisexual and being queer identified and existing under the non-binary umbrella. There are all of these things that... People expect me to look a certain way as a biracial person. People expect me to perform a certain type of femininity. Hmm. Um, And when I don't perform it, Mm
0: -hmm. people get,
2: some people get really, really angry. Um, And so that's been a really interesting process to watch, Mm -hmm. both with people I'm close to, people who interact with me, you know, in like a weird context, whether that's like at a grocery store, but then too, like with clients,
0: Mm -hmm. um, these, all of these intersections give you so many different avenues to probably connect with your clients. Oh yeah. Perhaps. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. I was going to say, I hope so because
2: they they do. And that's one of the things that I try. I mean, I have my own therapist, full disclosure. And that's because I have a supervisor who gave me the really great advice of, you know, if he's in, if he's seeing clients in therapy, he's in therapy himself. And Mm. so he passed that on to me Mm -hmm. and was like, you need to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And me having a place to process my own stuff. Has allowed for me to have opportunities where I've gotten to offer what I hope have been some really reparative relationships for people who have whatever problem with people of color or mixed race people. Um, I'll use self disclosure in those instances if people haven't like flagged me, mm-hmm. um, but I'll say, you know, how do you, you know, how do you feel about that? You're t- you're talking with someone who's biracial right now, and you seem to trust me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's offered. It's offered a new perspective, um, Mm -hmm. which has been, has been really healing both for myself and for the people
1: who have told me that as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, so
1: I try to use
2: it where I can.
0: You're building bridges. Mm -hmm. I think,
1: um, I love what you just said about that. Your, your therapist has that. If you're a therapist, (laughs) you have a therapist who probably has a therapist Mm -hmm. because, I should probably get one being yeah, an I've told you that. I hear people, <laughs> the darkest shit from people. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, you I'm need like, a
0: therapist. I've told you that. I know. I do.
1: I really do. My therapist has a therapist. And even my, th- yeah, it's that My therapist will need a therapist for the things that I will tell them. They already them. have one if they're a good oh, therapist. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: passing judgment. Uh, so let's, so speaking of helping people, um, let's do some listener questions. My husband and I aren't having sex. We've been married a year and a half. I can count our sexual encounters on one hand. First and most importantly, one of the factors that come into play is my husband is transgender. November will be three years that he's been on hormones. However, he's been living openly as a man since I met him, which has been almost five years. We have not been able to afford any reaffirming surgeries yet, but we have a fund going for his top surgery. He struggles fairly openly with dysphoria and after a lot of honest communication he's been able to share with me how it is affecting his sex drive okay so there is no issue here I love him his consent is his to give I feel no entitlement all these things considered our relationship wasn't always like this we spent two years having more sex than I've ever had fun hot passionate we pushed our limits and grew together I began to introduce him to my world of kink we found amazing connection there It didn't stop suddenly, but the gradual decline in physical intimacy was rapid. In the next year, we became less and less active. He didn't reach for me as often. Our wedding night, uh, we did not have sex. I wasn't angry. I was hurt a little and confused. In the 15 months since that day, I haven't been completely free of the feeling. Six months after being married, we had our first serious conversation about how I was feeling about the lack of physical intimacy. He brushed off the importance of sex and its link to my mental health. He seemed very upset and borderline disgusted with him that I'd put so much value in sex. Um, I brought up the possibility of sex with another person and that pushed him completely over the edge. We had a huge fight and he accused me of wanting to quote, fuck any random as a replacement for him. I haven't brought it up since. Uh, did that was that six months ago no six months after being married so that might have been a year ago I haven't brought it up since we have progressed to barely kissing cuddling loving up on another he doesn't seem to notice my skin is on fire for anything resembling intimacy I am feeling borderline wild we spend most of our time at home together so I have very little time to masturbate or fantasize I feel trapped in an unloved body one more nugget to this (laughs) the juxtaposition is that i have been delving more deeply into righteous self-love i've lost 100 pounds and in this process have fallen completely in love with my body i am feeling more confident open and sexy now than i ever have and my marriage is offering very little space for me to express the physical manifestation of this newfound self-love that sucks this is a lot So, hormones will fuck your sex drive up, though. Oh, yeah. Real bad. Real bad. Um, So will
1: the body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. Dysphoria, dysmorphia, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, was the big one because I feel like usually a drastic decline in sex life or sex drive is usually indicative of something much deeper under the surface that has nothing to do with with her.
2: (sighs) I'm thinking... I just can't help but notice, you know, you've got two people here who have gone through and are still going through really intense physical transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and by no means am I trying to equate weight loss with, you know, the gender confirmation process. But those are two really yeah. personal processes. Right.
0: Um, which is a lot. hmm it's a really difficult space to be in I mean as someone who married my best friend and 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 he was not we were not having these issues we had separate issues but not these issues and after I think a year and a half year of us being married I sat him down I was like why are we doing this we don't have any kids yet we don't have that many finances together like we're young we love each other but what are we doing I'm we're not having sex <laughs> was one of our issues. Actually, our li- our se- our uh, libidos were totally different, and it hadn't been that way initially for us either. Um, but I mean, there's honestly, there's no shame in the divorce game. People are so afraid to end a relationship that's just not serving either one of them anymore.
1: And I think too, people, you hear so much bad advice along the lines as well. Sex isn't everything, but if it is to you, yeah.
0: And that's legitimate.
1: It's a a pretty big reason not to continue a relationship if the other partner isn't willing to open it.
0: It's really. I'm sure it's really. And that's the other thing too. Is like knowing that hormones will affect the ability for your body to go through like the chemical processes of having libido arousal. Okay, we know that. So like practically, the other option is. What you or the other option that I would have presented was like, can I get this? Can I get this physical need from somewhere else? Which you asked and it didn't go well. So that's completely I mean, if you can love someone very, very much, and that doesn't mean you still need to be married to them, Mm -hmm. especially if you're both unhappy or one of you is unhappy and the other one is fine. They can cruise like this for forever (laughs) at this point. And you
1: will grow more and more Mm -hmm. resentful.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is where my bias
2: comes in. Like, have you two talked about working with a counselor? I mean, there fortunately we live in in an area of these. Depending on where people are, depending on where these listeners are, true, you know. Look into universities around you that offer sliding scale clinics. If Mm -hmm. they have them, Mm -hmm. they're really well-trained, really well-supervised. Yeah.
0: People that are going to school to become a counselor, they see clients, but they see them like short-term, like what, maybe six months, I think.
2: Depending. I mean, each, each place has their own policy, but then even private practice folks who offer sliding scale, you know, and couples counseling, um, doesn't always have to be about staying together. Right. Sometimes, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be,
0: how do we break up? hmm Yeah, we've talked about that too. <sighs> Best wishes. Seriously. Um, number two. You want to oh. read this one, Jen?
1: All right. Ooh. <laughs> I am a white woman who has always been attracted to black men. I've dated mostly white guys because there are more of them in the city where I live, but I feel conflicted expressing my preference. I don't want to fetishize, fetishize black men as sexual objects. Is there's something weird about me? I don't even know how to entertain. Mm-hmm. You yeah, I don't why. feel like I
0: have any. I don't. I mean, <laughs> hello, I Haley. Hello. I definitely. <laughs> Help Ryan, us.
1: Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> um,
2: oh. Oh, so I, I would say uh, the important thing in this is if you're asking yourself if there's something weird about you. Mm. Uh, Ask yourself why you're attracted to black men. Mm. And um, because I've had this conversation with people um, and I, you know, had this conversation with people many times. And if the things that come to mind is something along the lines of, oh, well, I like, you know, their skin tone or their lips or how they talk, um, what you're talking about are are some tropes
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: in there. So you need to unpack unpack Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of those qualities are fetishized Mm -hmm. but I think the bigger even bigger work to do if you're someone who is not black and wanting to date black folks is ask yourself what anti-racism work have you done Mm. what anti-racism work have you exposed yourself to what things have you looked for online? Have you thought about what it might be like to be in a relationship where your partner is experiencing racism, the likes of which you have never experienced and will never experience um, and understanding what that might look like in a relationship
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, because that that's a real that's a real thing. Um, there's a woman on Instagram, I think her name is Rachel Cargill, if I'm saying her last name right, but she has a lot of great resources for white women. Well, how do you spell it? Um, so, first name is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L. Last name is C-A-R-G-L-E. Nice. And Thank you. Yeah, and she's on Instagram. I think it's her first name followed by a period and then her last name. Mm, okay. And she has a lot of, mind you, free resources though awesome. she does have a Patreon, so you can support her there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but resources for white women in particular on how they interact um, with black folks in general. Because, um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I get a little nervous when I hear read that question. Say, when I read that question, yeah. I'm like, there's just not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay,
0: well. Uh, what, uh, speaking <laughs> of the, the tropes that you mentioned earlier, so I was taking a class on... Sex tourism around the world, and it hadn't. And the person giving—I can't remember her name—but person giving this presentation was a, a black woman, and she was speaking very expertly about all these places in the world. And she said, like, in some places there are white women, particularly white women who will go to say, like. Jamaica because they've always wanted to fuck the black guy with the dreadlocks mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. Of course that's a thing because look at the porn on our shelves and well, yeah
1: and it's something that Asian people have been dealing with for well oh, being a- fetishized as the oh, little yeah, sex dolls yeah
0: oh, I know, yeah. well. I think it's just really any God. When I was in Vegas, there was a, the pornos that popped up and it was something like pregnant Mexican teenagers. And I'm like, interesting, you know, so fetishizing any, anything, but yeah, the race, that race makes it tricky. Thanks Haley. You are full (laughs) of knowledge. Um, try. Uh, You are. (laughs) It just comes naturally, 84-year-old woman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this one's an interesting one. Jen, do you want to read this one, number three?
1: Sure. Ooh, it's it's another long one. It's another long one. I had a conversation last year with a dear friend when they asked me whether I'm part of the LGBT community or whether I'm just an ally. They asked me a bunch of questions about my gender identity, such as whether I feel more masculine or feminine, or whether I've ever felt the sensation of gender fluidity. After I answered all their questions, she told me I'm totally a typical cisgender white male, and I may only refer to myself as an ally of the LGBT community. They even made a point of commanding that I never try and label myself as a part of the community. Now, I've never put enough time or thought into trying to label my gender identity, because I just figure it's safest to go with whatever people feel comfortable calling me. Recently, though, I've been talking with friends, and many of them have said I don't sound cisgender at all. And some have, some have said queers become such a generalized term these days. <laughs> you'd be safest to just call yourself you'd that. You'd
0: be safest. Interesting. I... Continue.
1: So I reached out to my friend about it, asking if they still label me as, as a cisgender white male, and they blew up at me about it.
0: Can I be queer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. I'll uh, stop.
1: I'm wondering if the person who is writing this is really young.
0: Um, you know, I, I, you know hmm. I don't believe that they are, actually. Oh, OK. Um, because of the name and this person's messaged me quite a bit. I could be wrong, but they also don't type like they're young.
1: Sure, but I feel like this is something really the kind of problem true. that I would expect. Like, a, true.
0: True. Yeah, I have no idea. Have, that's true. That's
1: a you really struggle that's with these true. things, right? Right. At first, they were saying they're not in charge of my gender identity, and that's something I have to decide for myself. But without even a moment's pause, continued by stating how angry and upset they felt, and how sick of this situation they were. That all these people want to invade queer space and take it away by saying I'm queer too now, as if it's some kind of status symbol. They repeated to me how people aren't just allowed to invade their queer space like that. They even went so far as to say, you're not queer, you never will be, you are not a member of this community. I have to admit, while I've never seen myself as one gender or the other, I genuinely believe myself, outside of biological norms, to just exist outside of the whole situation in the first place. My gender identity has never been very important to me. I just want my friend to feel safe, but I'd also like to be able to talk about these sorts of matters without scaring them or making them feel like I'm trying to take something away from them. Does this sort of situation sound familiar at all? Is there anything you think I should be doing differently?
0: This does not sound familiar to me, but are you okay? Ah, <laughs> oh, it sounds sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> sorry. I'm not, containing over over containing feelings over
2: here. Oh, all right. No, don't contain. Um, this situation's familiar to me. This is like a Oh yeah, no we've classic, talked about this. This is like a very uh classic gatekeeping situation. Mm-hmm. Um I was actually having this conversation with another friend of mine who identifies um as agender and asexual. Um and We had this whole conversation about how people who are asexual or are aces are often left out of the community, right? And people do this with bisexuality, too, and other parts of the LGBTQAI and so on and so forth that get really left out. Um, But I really, I don't know, I feel for this person saying that they want their friend to feel safe. But what about them feeling safe?
0: Yeah, I'm being a little... (sighs) I'm a little critical of the situation because I feel like I've seen white cis dudes do this before. Yeah. Where they're like, Well, I feel like my gender's not well, yeah, because your gender is constantly recognized, you know, like uh, in the way that you look, like he said biologically, or this person mm-hmm. said biologically. Yeah, he. He said he's cisgender. So that makes me think like, Okay, you have a penis, like you don't have ambiguous genitals, so you don't like medical interactions to you are not stressful. For for like one example, like a person Mm -hmm. who would have ambiguous genitals and say, Well, maybe my sexuality isn't important to me, but like can I be a part of this community? Is it a guy that dates women and has a cock and looks like a dude and he's like why can't all
1: the privilege Mm -hmm. of white Right. Why can't I go
0: to your queer party with like trans people and like Butch Dykes and like you know, like Yeah. So that's where I'm like, I don't really know. I don't know. But but yeah, I've, we've seen that too, Haley. And that's part of the reason I brought you on is because it's really easy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just
2: want more, I want more I want info. Me too? I yeah. want more info because especially, I don't know. I think some of the things that make me have more questions are, you know, when this person is saying, you know, I feel like like it's safer to go with whatever people feel comfortable calling me. Mm. Um, I know for some of my friends who are trans or gender nonconforming? that they've done that as a survival strategy right. to be like, okay, well, if people uh, are going to read a- me as a cis dude today, right. like I guess I'll do that. Cause that's right. really safe. That's like one of the safest things you can be in this country, especially if you're white or have
0: proximity to whiteness. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I have questions. So is there anything you think I should be doing differently? Stop trying to ask your friend to accept you as queer. Like, stop right now. They've already said multiple times, you're not, you never will be, you're not a member. Why do you want to be a part of this community in the first place? Like, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Haley, like, what do you, why are you attracted to black men? Mm -hmm. Do you, is it hip to be queer right now? You know,
1: at the same time, if that's how you really identify and your friends won't accept that. Maybe you should find other friends yeah, to find, hang out exactly. with, too. Right, it totally. does.
2: And I think, you know, again, depending on what's going on here, mm-hmm. like asking another question of why do you need someone else to validate your queer mm-hmm. identity? If mm-hmm. you know how you experience yourself, run with that because there's yeah. always going to be someone. I mean, the queer community is so big and it's so different depending on what part of the world you're in, mm-hmm. that there's Always going to be at least one person who says, No, you don't fit here.
0: True. Mm hmm. That's true. Hey, friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some NABOM in your pocket. NABOM, that's N A E B A L M, is an all natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax, followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out Nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram.
1: Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris erotica.
0: So we have this article, Jen. Can you? What's it called?
1: This article it was on um, Vice's uh, Broadly channel and it the article is called What Interracial Cuckold Porn Reveals About White Male Insecurity
0: by Zoe Samudzi.
1: Um, so for those of you who aren't aware what being a cuckold is, we we talked about it a couple of shows ago. Yeah, when actually, you're
0: but- when it's a guy who's. Someone else fucks your wife. You're you're a cuck. You're being cuckolded if your wife or your woman is fucking another dude.
1: But this is specifically about white dudes who fantasize. It's a really a really well super racist fantasy about a black man. White women and, and white men, men
0: fantasizing. I mean, a, I'm not oh, going to. OK, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to assume that just I mean, women watch porn, too. Right. Yes, they do. So, but yeah, it's ask it's, me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like the black guy fucks a white man's wife you see the ridiculous ones where like he's forced to watch and it's I worked in a porn shop for years (laughs) maybe you don't see them. I've seen them, because we used to play all of these just looping on screens so it was kind of nice because it was like not therapy but like a deep immersion into so many things I would stay away from but anyway I've seen some of this and it's really cartoonish some of it like ridiculously so so let's talk about the article
2: (laughs) yeah Uh, So one of the things that stood out to me with this article, because it it prefaces with an actor, right, who ended up suing because the N-word was used in the middle of filming without his consent.
0: Mm, Um, mm -hmm. And
2: so one of the thoughts that I have, not just with this article, but with this whole genre of porn is how linked it is to trauma porn of black folks, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is, You know, we talk about the situation of interracial cuckold porn scenes and the whole like, oh, how horrible my my white wife or my white woman is being, you know, penetrated by these black men. And it's like, okay, this is the exact type of accusation that not just used to, but still gets black men killed. Yeah,
1: like the southern, especially Mm -hmm. in the south. Did you read Devil in the Grove?
2: I did not, but my dad grew up in the South in the 30s. And so as a black man grow, like growing up under Jim Crow law, like this is the type of stuff that my dad growing up, like he had friends who were killed.
0: Oh my God.
2: And so I see this article and I go, oh yeah. And then, you know, these are the same people who, when black and brown men and women are killed, are like, oh yeah, they deserved it. And it's like, and I, and I want to be careful cause I know not all of them, but, uh, <laughs> there are some links <laughs> mm-hmm. to be gentle with that. Um, between people who
0: like watch this stuff and people who would act that way, like I, violently. I think Black- you could
2: probably draw a Venn yeah. diagram. Yeah. There may be a Venn diagram in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't spent a whole lot of time around it. It's very interesting. Um, like, as a sex worker, someone who's shot porn, I've been asked a couple times, and this is not the same, but as a woman, I'm just gonna come with my woman stuff real quick for a second, see if we can draw parallels or get your get your thoughts. But I've been offered to do, like, rapey porn, horror porn, gore porn, um, photos and, and video. And I always say no, because I feel like someone right now is being raped and murdered, but I'll do rape role play in my personal mm-hmm. room. So I don't feel okay in, like, that way. So I wonder about... Like this guy was okay or he's doing the work. And then it comes in that they pushed his boundaries. And I wonder what it's like doing these scenes and like working for these people in general. You know, like, God, I hope the money is good. Like as the black <sighs> yeah. performer, you know, I Fuck, also, I hope they pay him more than mo- like the other two combined. Cause it kind of depends on him for the scene. Right.
2: Well, didn't <laughs> okay. that come up?
0: Did it? In I don't know.
2: About the white women get to charge more. What for filming those
0: oh yeah it's a fetish that's a the thing
2: understanding
0: no you you probably and that's the thing is working in the porn shop in southern california about 10 or 12 years ago we had an interracial section and i kind of brought it up where i was like do you think that's weird that we have an interracial section like why is it different you know uh, what i mean right. like white people fucking versus white and everyone else fucking is in this section i don't know
1: well, I hope his lawsuit is successful. I
0: do too. Wow. What is his name? His this name is, is...
1: Mo the Monster. Mo the
0: Monster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know his other. Oh, and their website. Yeah. Okay. Dog Fart Cuckold <laughs> Sessions channel. I'm not subscribed to that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. Uh, oh, interesting. So noted indie porn actress Stoya told me that as a white woman, she refuses to participate in any quote interracial videos because of how quote patently absurd it is for pornography to reinforce binary and oppositional racial categories of black and white. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think I'll just speak to your point too about like rape scenes and rape play. I think the question also comes into, you know, Who's profiting off of something, right? right? So, like, if you're doing something consensually in your own home or wherever with other consenting parties, that's one thing. Like that work can be so healing and so empowering. Mm-hmm. But then in this situation where consent was violated, someone I'm assuming profited off of this. I can't remember if this actually went into production and um, was sold. I
0: bet it. But did. I'm
2: assuming I'm assuming so. And it's yeah. like at that point, it's like okay what this person chooses to do outside of that, or even if this was something that he, you know, in another in another setting consented to in his line of work. That's different. That's but still different. His, different boundaries, his yeah. boundaries
0: were completely violated. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end on a happy note. <laughs> uh, so I guess we always try to kind of consider... We have about five or so more minutes, so we can... Uh, was there stuff... What else do we want to talk about? I wanted to talk more about you, Haley. Do you have any more questions for her particularly?
1: Well, I mean, you do other... I um, I was wondering about the couples side of your mm, counseling. Yeah. I always like to hear about that.
2: Yeah. So um, right now, I don't have a lot of couples, but how that comes up um, is right now, I get couples who come in um, into the gambling clinic. And I love... I love working with partnered folks. And I specifically like to say that I work with partnered folks rather than just couples because that, you know, when we say just couples, it erases so many folks. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what the field is it's marriage couples and family therapy. Mm-hmm.
0: And, Can you clarify? Because I think mm-hmm. some people might miss that. When you say couples, it's implied that it's men, women. It's implied that it's men and women. Right. Partners. Um, it's
2: implied that it's straight people. So, like, that's the thing that I see a lot is even if I do have a male female couple come in, people go, Oh, yeah, it's a straight cisgendered couple. And I go, Actually, one of them's bisexual, or actually, one of them's this Mm -hmm, or that. mm -hmm. But I work with people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What sorts of things do you tell? The partners of people with gambling addictions. Ooh, good them. one. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Jen. Yeah,
2: so I guess I should answer this a little bit earlier. But one of the things I do when anyone comes in is I do a domestic violence screening. <laughs> That's my first step.
0: Wow. Um, and
2: I also let people know too what things to watch out for because rates of domestic violence are higher in problem gambling populations. Hmm. But in terms of like the treatment end of things, I do a lot of psychoeducation. So. That's things like explaining how gambling works, explaining how the machines work, explaining how fantasy sports work, mm. um, whatever their partner or person is doing. I do that education with them. Yeah. Um, how did you
0: learn all of that? You had to learn all of this. Training, a wow. lot of training,
2: oh Um, training that I'll continue to do for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, yeah, as it continues evolve. to change, yeah. But I try to do a mix. So like sometimes I'll work with people all together and then other times I'll see one partner at a time and just go through like what's coming up for them. One of the biggest things I see with partners who come in is they're dealing with a lot of physical problems and it's usually connected to their partner's gambling. So Mm -hmm. people will go like, oh, I started, you know, I get these really frequent headaches and I go, oh, when did those start? And sometimes they might say, oh, you know, maybe about two or three years ago. And I'll find out from the partner that that's when like the gambling had escalated. Uh, stress. And so oh. I'll talk about things like that, um, do a lot of psycho ed and then do couples counseling where we look at, you know, how the gambling has impacted not just the person doing it, but the whole system
0: mm-hmm. without
2: blaming and pathologizing the person experiencing it directly. Mm-hmm.
1: How does the partner usually find out? that the other person has a gambling um, problem? A lot How do of, they usually get caught?
2: A lot of different ways. So um, some people find out from checking bank accounts. That's Ooh. like the most common one, mm-hmm. um, especially for, uh, actually no difference for folks who are like legally married or not, but
0: mm-hmm. people
2: will notice that money's, money has gone missing mm-hmm. um, and sometimes like large amounts mm. where they go, okay, what's up? Or bills start to go unpaid, um another situation that sometimes happens is um parents who have forgotten to pick up their kids from school. Oh. Um because they stopped somewhere along the way, Damn. got sucked in. And it comes up so many different ways. Wow. Um but I always appreciate the courage and the bravery that people show when they come in to counseling for anything and to talk about that and to give people room to be angry. Um, and directing that anger in a way that allows for them to move through it if they want to move through it. Um, but it's tough. It's Mm -hmm. so tough. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do enjoy getting to have that space with folks. Mm -hmm.
0: I do. And you're good at it. I try. Uh,
2: (laughs) I try. That's
0: the best thing to say. I love that. Um, so Haley, you are available for contact at Haley, I'm going to spell this Yeah. H A L L E M T H O M A S at iCloud.com. Uh, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So Haley and Jen, let's talk BTS about (laughs) that's what the kids call it. Right. Yep. Um, cool. Um, I'm a straight man and I hate giving oral sex is a vice.com article originally appearing on Italy's vice. Uh, so this guy says he's 31 years old, married, heterosexual, and doesn't like to quote eat pussy, which is a saying I was never really a fan of. Um, So he says, I love vaginas. I just don't like licking them. I know plenty of other guys who do not enjoy it, but do it out of a sense of gratitude. No, do it out of gratitude or a sense of obligation. Uh, And there was another article before this. He says, unlike the girl who doesn't like to give blowjobs, and we can go to her after this. He says it has nothing moral to do with it. He says it has nothing to do with trauma. Latent homosexuality or need to assert my masculinity. So then he tries to, to give evidence where he's like, look, if you look at all the porn, there's way more <laughs> blowjob categories than licking pussy. Like obviously people are into blowjobs more.
1: <laughs> oh, so that, yeah, exactly. I will tell I you why, you know
0: why as someone who's made their own porn, it's really fucking hard to film someone licking your pussy. It's not yeah. your head's in the way your head's in the way. And there's not a lot of visual visually. Got to you know your mind. Guys really don't
1: realize you don't have to be gay <laughs> to dislike women.
0: No, right. Why is he
1: saying that? Oh, well, it's not because I'm gay. No one's saying you're gay. Well, that's like a common response.
0: That's like the first thing. I know. So he says, like most humans, I too have a sense of smell. So he doesn't like the scent or the taste of it. He says the vulva, (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Trigger warning. Let's talk about the vulva for a second from this guy. He says the female body is a combination of marvelous features, the curves, the breasts, the softness of the hips, the smooth skin. Well, that's some of us. That's not all of us. But the vulva is not so great. It is a wound in an otherwise perfect hole. Hole is spelled with a W. Okay, Freud. I know, right? (laughs) Um, he says women are absurdly demanding when it comes to oral sex. That's interesting to me because I've never been demanding. And I hear from women all the time that they don't give direction. They don't know what to ask for. They don't say a whole lot. So maybe just the women in his life. And maybe they were absurdly demanding because you weren't doing anything down there. He says <laughs> the penis is a simple thing. It's hard to get it wrong. Anyway, so he's married. Um, As long as she's happy. I feel so bad for his wife. Maybe he's really, really bad at it. Maybe it's like DJ What's-His-Nuts. How do you say his last name? I know who you're talking about. He's like, I don't... DJ Khaled. Yeah, he's like, I don't like pussy. And I'm like, okay, everyone can get mad at that. But maybe his wife is like, I will live the lavish lifestyle. I don't want you licking my pussy. (laughs) He's kind of a douche. I mean, she might be too, but... So I wasn't too upset. <laughs> I wanted to like flip the frame and make myself feel better about it.
1: I guess I just take really take umbrage with the fact. I mean, there are some people's dicks. I didn't enjoy sucking but for if sure. I, But if I like you, I'm right. going to like giving you yeah. pleasure. And that to me, it's just, I don't, it's like he's missing the point.
2: Well, I think the end of the article kind of yeah. says it all.
0: Yeah, where's the article?
1: Like, am I passionate about buttholes? No. (laughs) But maybe I'm passionate about yours because I like you. You know what I mean? If that's your thing. And that changes everything. Yeah.
0: Oh, I see. The end of it says, it is practically impossible to get over a bad session of oral sex. No, dude, it's fine. I've done it. You'll be okay. (laughs) Do not even try to say things like, quote, I appreciate the effort. What does that mean? It's like, what do white people say after sex? Would you like a Go-Gurt? That was (laughs) nice. (laughs) I appreciate the effort. High five. Well, I appreciate
2: the semblance of accountability at the end of the article where he says that going down on a woman requires a combination of talents that I do not possess. Bingo. Fair like, enough. That's hey,
0: fine. Yeah, that's true. Nailed it. Nailed it. You should have just said that in the first paragraph. Yeah, right. But self-growth <laughs> is also a thing.
1: That would <laughs> be like if I was like, we should all ban basketball because I can't play it. Yeah, like that's,
0: yeah exactly. So. Or just like basketball is gross uh okay and then there's i suck uh, i'm sorry i suck dick <laughs> why i don't give blowjobs on vice by allison stevenson this was from uh, march of 2015 they're both a couple years old but still so relevant and she says am i being selfish probably but i believe i earned that selfishness after many years of having sexual encounters with men who rarely bothered to reciprocate
1: i mean you know
0: and that's t- coming from a totally different place <laughs> yeah right. That's a totally so this one this one came out first because remember the guy with the penis or I'm sorry the guy with the penis I'm so tired the guy who doesn't like to lick pussies referred to this one so she's saying I don't think they're ugly or gross the standard penis has quite a practical and sleek design which I greatly admire uh As much as I love my vagina and all its parts, I do often find myself jealous of how worry-free the penis seems to be. If you tried talking to a penis about daily discharge, well, (laughs) penises have those too sometimes, but it's called smegma, but if you don't have a foreskin, maybe not as much, menstruation, pH balance, or pap smears, the penis would have nothing to say in return. Anyway, so she says that she's dating a guy who comes over once a week to go down on her, and the only thing I give him in return is a pat on the back for doing a good job.
1: I mean... (laughs) I think that's also kind of a bad way to look at it. Like, okay, I've I've had some lousy sexual partners for sure, but I'm not going to hold it against
0: right. I would want my future.
1: That seems really unfair, and I feel like it fuels the fucking trolls out there. They're like, see, women are just a bunch of yeah, they're punishing us. They're are punishing just withhold- us, punishing us all the time. I'm like, yeah. Oh.
0: Well, this seems to work for her right now. I'm really interested to see where she is with this now in her sexual life, you know? Right. I am too, because, like, is this a policy?
2: Like, you're never, ever, ever going right. to suck a dick again? Because, like, what if, what if it's, like,
0: the dick? Right. You see it, and you're like, well, shoot! I said I, I was going to do. I just have to suck on that. Yeah, right I like now. this one. I like this one. Um, or you know, again, the assumption that all of these—I mean, I don't know Allison Stevenson's sexuality. Her Twitter handle is just about glad. She says, "Loud Jew comedian and writer. Give me money." Um, hmm. Yeah, but let's not assume that all men have dicks. So, You're what if you so meet true. a nice lady who has a dick? You're not going to suck a dick, you know. Hmm yeah anyway um this article is from 2015 so let's be honest nobody was really talking about trans shit in 2015 I mean it's that's become true. a lot what do you think I feel like it's been a lot more on the radar of the media in the last couple of years and that's good but this yeah it's increasing
2: and it's getting more and more informed which is nice and there's more centering of trans voices mm. which is nice
0: yeah. but
2: yeah I just I have questions I agree that this article comes from a different place mm-hmm. than the guy but Mm -hmm. it's still like I have questions
0: I know yeah
1: can we tweet her the questions (laughs) that's the thing I'm like I don't want to harass
0: your tune we're just curious like I don't want to harass this poor woman nobody I'm not I'm not going to ask but I will forever wonder (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay on that one you guys good Yeah. yeah yeah For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on Patreon.com forward slash and become a supporter for access to behind-the-scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger, and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter.
1: And My name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.